So I learned a new word this week. Extraterritoriality. And extraterritoriality is a big deal in international global diplomatic relations. Uh, extraterritoriality is, uh, is that doctrine as part of the Vienna Convention that makes it so that embassies are sovereign, sort of. Because the, the, the reality is, if you are on the diplomatic mission of one country and living in another country, you are afforded certain privileges through this doctrine of extraterritoriality. One, the host country cannot interfere with the business of your embassy. So, if you are in the, uh, the Venezuelan embassy in Washington, D.C., the FBI can't knock your door down and, and take things. Like, that's, that's illegal. They can't do that. Uh, also, uh, the Washington, D.C. Fire Department couldn't even put out a fire at your embassy unless you invited them in. And finally, uh, diplomats who are stationed at an embassy have diplomatic immunity, which means that they can't be prosecuted under local jurisdictions. And I was thinking this, this week and learning about extraterritoriality, about that, that tension that, it, that an ambassador must feel. Because I have to assume that our ambassador to France loves living in Paris. She loves waking up in the morning, riding her little scooter to pick up a baguette, you know, going into the office that overlooks the Eiffel Tower. Uh, our current ambassador to France is, is a woman named Jamie McCourt. Um, and you may know her from her uh, job previously where she was the president of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, but she, uh, she was a French major when she was getting her undergrad at Georgetown. Um, in adulthood, she took uh, multiple uh, extended absences from her law practice to go back to Paris and study culinary arts. So my guess is that she is pretty stinking happy about living in Paris. That she, she sees this as a pretty, uh, a, a pretty plum gig. And likewise, she would probably be pretty bummed if she got a, a, a letter telling her that she's being transferred to be uh, the chief diplomat in Iceland. Even though Reykjavik is beautiful this time of year, it would still be uh, a disappointing thing. But here's the thing for Jamie McCourt. Uh, even though she surely enjoys living in Paris and flexing her Francophile muscles, at the end of the day, her mission is to serve the interests of the United States of America. So she feels that tension, right? Like, where she lives is not where her loyalty lies. Now, we're in the midst of a section in the Bible called the Farewell Discourse. This is an extended teaching 
of Jesus that occurs after he washes the disciples' feet, uh, after he uh, breaks the bread and predicts the betrayal of Judas, and before he's arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus has just told his disciples that all who obey the commands of God are his friends. Uh, This is what we talked about last week. Hopefully it's still just, you know, rattling around your mind the absurdity of that. That the, the, the king of creation, that, that, that the, the being that holds the universe together calls you his friend. Let's not lose sight of how crazy that is. But this week we're going to pick back up uh, in verse 18. Where Jesus says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. But as it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. And that is why the world hates you. Jesus is making a pretty somber observation here. That the world will hate that which he calls out of it. I remember when I was a little boy, maybe eight or nine, um, I was over at my grandma's house and I noticed that the nest that I had been watching over the last few weeks that had three eggs in it now had two little birds in it. And on the ground there was the third bird. And I'm like, well, of course you have to scoop it up and put it back in. And my grandma stopped me. She's like, put on rubber gloves first. So why have I put on rubber gloves? And she said, well, because... If the mama bird smells you on the baby, she's going to kick him right back out of the nest. Now, I don't know if she was right about that. But one thing I am pretty sure is that when Jesus starts living in us and starts working in our lives, we don't smell the same. And the world is going to want to kick us out of the nest. Inevitably, the the way we interact with the world around us is going to be different. And some of it won't be pleasant. Uh, Right after I graduated, I took an internship with a church up in Wyandotte County. And and one day, I was sitting in my boss's office. And he asked me, he he said, Caleb, who is your model for ministry? And I knew right then there were two right answers. It was either him or Jesus, but I wasn't sure which one to go with. So I made the the, the calculated choice and said, well, Jesus, of course. Wrong! Try again! And my first thought was, you know, that's that's pretty arrogant there, Jim, uh, that you're a better model for ministry than Jesus is. But he went on to, to explain... Um, you have to remember, Caleb, Jesus was in ministry for three years and they killed him at the end of it. They crucified him. The way of Jesus is not popular. It it will not endear us to those both inside and outside of the church whose hearts and minds have been shaped by the world. Verse 21 We read that they will treat you this way because of my name. This is Jesus speaking again. For they do not know the one who sent me. 
If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. You know, these are especially difficult wor- words um, for us who live in a society that is rooted in pluralism. Um, because uh, the fastest growing religious expression here in the United States is what Barna and others have, uh, have called uh, those self-identified spiritual but not religious. Um, which means different things to different people. You know, that's a pretty broad umbrella term. Uh, a lot of things can fall into it. Um, but in the literature, when, when Barna or, or these people talk about the spiritual but not religious, what they're referring to is this idea that Jesus and the Buddha and the prophet Muhammad and, and all other religious teachers all point to the same basic spiritual reality in that a healthy, well-rounded spirituality takes the best from each religious tradition and creates something like a tossed salad of one's personal faith. Which sounds wise on the surface. It sounds like a, like a reasonable sort of thing to do on its surface. It's, it's reasonable to believe that, that different religious expressions have figured different things out um, and that doing religion a la carte can give a person something like a super religion. But what one discovers when they start looking at different world religions is that they aren't all the same. They have different goals, and some of those goals aren't compatible. They have different teaching, and most of those teachings aren't compatible. Which, of course, isn't to say that there aren't some things that are, that are taught in more than one religion. That's, that's true. But the similar pieces, they don't make up anything resembling a robust spiritual life of faith. Uh, I remember... When I was, uh, you know, maybe 11 or 12, my family went to the state fair. And in one of the barns, you could buy uh, this, this meal ticket that had four tear-offs. And um, you went in, and there were probably 16 or 18 different booths, all featuring food from different places in the world. And you could turn in a ticket for, you know, you could get a, uh, an entree from from uh, Mexican cuisine, and you could get, you know, a French side dish, uh, and you could get, you know, a, a, a Thai uh, second side dish, and you could go get your, your dessert from Wisconsin or whatever. And I remember my sister walking through the barn with her four, uh, her four tickets, and she somehow figured out a way to get a plate that everything look in, looked and tasted about the same. Because she went and got four desserts. It turns out that just about every country makes a, a dessert that is some sort of bread wrapped up 
or, or uh, encasing some kind of cheese in deep fried. But here's the thing. Uh, she didn't actually experience any of those countries' cuisines. And she wound up with a stomach ache. And this is kind of how it is when we try and do the religion a la carte thing. Because the doctrine of pluralism says that you can practice your religion up until the point when it becomes distinguishable from any other religious expression. And the exclusive claims that Jesus makes about who he is send us right past that point. The disciplines of the Christian life will take us right past that point. The reality is that if we follow Jesus, it's going to upset the apple cart. Which brings us back to my new favorite word, extraterritoriality. Because we live here, in Grove City, in Ohio, in the United States of America. And I like living here. And I hope you do too. There are a lot of really good things about living here. We, uh, we lucked out um, in the genetic lottery that we uh, landed here and not in some of the other places in the world where, um, you know, the only job is to sift through trash and try and find recyclables, right? Like, we can acknowledge that is a, a good thing for us. Um, but we can never lose sight of the fact that we are resident aliens living here. That we are diplomats of the kingdom of God. That our, our mission is to serve the interests of the kingdom of God. That, that, that every single church around the globe, from the, the biggest megachurch in Texas that has 20,000 people worshiping together right now, um, to uh, three women in Iran huddled together in a back room in secret, uh, going over a scrap of Bible that Scott Fritchie uh, smuggled into the country 15 years ago. And every expression of church in between the two are embassies for the kingdom of God. Every single Christian is part of the diplomatic mission. When we come to the table here in just a moment, we are pledging our allegiance to Jesus. When we come to the table, we are zooming right past the accepted practices of a pluralist society. Because to be called to the table, we must be called out of the world. And this can be uncomfortable for us living here and downright deadly to our brothers and sisters living in other parts of the world. But it's at the table that we are given diplomatic immunity. It's at the table where our identity is no longer shaped by the culture of the world around us. It's at the table that our place in society becomes far less important than our place in the kingdom. And in election years, it feels like we are pulled 
away from the kingdom's mission even more than usual. Because every candidate from both parties will cast a vision for uh, an America first vision of the world. But the problem is that America first is darn near impossible to justify with Christian ethics. Because Jesus says that the world will know that we are Christians by the way we love one another. And he doesn't just mean the person who's sitting beside you here at Trinity. He's also talking about our love for our sisters in Latin America. And our love for our brothers on the Korean Peninsula. Jesus has called us out of this world. Our identity is no longer found in any of the powers of this world. Because we are part of the diplomatic mission of the kingdom of God. We live here and we appreciate it and we enjoy it. Like Jamie McCourt riding her Vespa with a baguette under her arm into the office, we can appreciate all the, the good things that come with living in our community. But our mission is still about the kingdom. Our mission is still about uh, loving one another about loving God, about, about sharing the good news of Jesus with the world around us. So I invite you, come to the table, and together we'll pledge our allegiance to the King and his kingdom. Let's pray. Merciful God, we confess we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be obedient. We have not done your will. We've broken your law. We've rebelled against your love. We've not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Lord, we pray for forgiveness. Lord, free us from slavery to sin and death. Free us into the wide pastures of joyful obedience. Lord, we thank you that Jesus came and died for us while we were still rebelling. Lord, your love was proven. And we thank you that we are forgiven. Lord, you are good. You have called us out of the world and into the diplomatic mission of the kingdom of God. Lord, give us the courage to live as resident aliens. Give us the courage to live as ambassadors. Give us the courage to place our allegiance to you.